Did you know that there are over 65 million Gen Xers, yet so few financial advisors focus on Gen X? Why? It's because you aren't rich. Yet. Welcome to the Gen X Money Advisor with Michael Labus, certified financial planner, certified college funding specialist, and founder of Gen X Wealth Partners. This podcast focuses on the specific needs of Gen Xers by a Gen Xer. Get ready to explore topics that will help you get your retirement on track, maximize your dollar towards your child's education, and successfully manage aging parents. We will even sprinkle in a little health and wellness, travel and leisure, and time and stress management. Come and experience the expertise of Michael and his special guests who focus on enhancing the quality of your life today and in the future. Now, on to the show. It's a fact. Your parents will get older. You can take the journey with them, too, in a supportive, open way. In part one of what will be a two-part discussion, Michael Labus has a guest who works with people of all ages to surmount barriers and perhaps gain wisdom at the same time. Sandra Hunter is the founder of Wild Women Leaders of Color and a certified life coach. And she's also created the Stealth Auntie Network. This pairs older professionals with young people. Now, Michael... Please tell us more about Sandra. Thank you. And yes, Sandra, thank you for coming on the show today. And we're going to have a very important discussion that I think a lot of Gen Xers want and need to have. So thank you. Thanks so much, Michael, for having me. Of course. And the topic of our parents getting older is one that I'm starting to deal with. And I'm sure that a lot of my fellow Gen Xers are and the first thing that I want to talk about is the reality of the situation, and that is that our parents are getting older. My parents are in their 70s, uh, Gen Xers, you know, they may have parents in their 80s, and that's something that we don't, we're having to come to terms with here. Absolutely. And, you know, our parents, you know, they're not, they're not immortal, and <laughs> there's a lot of discussion points to, to, you know, focus on here. I'd like to address these with you here today, and I want to start off with I think a good starting off point, which would be uh, the health issues. And how can we, you know, we see what's going on with them, we observe it, but how can we actually, you know, talk to them about this without sounding overbearing? Right. It's a really tough um, situation to be in this point of, of, of awareness, right? We, we're talking about actually being aware of mortality. And most of the time, especially in Western cultures, we like to ignore mortality, particularly in, in America. I've noticed this since I've been here. It's about being productive. As long as you're a productive member of society, then you're going to be embraced you're, or, or at the very least tolerated because you're providing something, you're providing a service, you're working. And as we age, that becomes more and more crucial to us because we've predicated our sense of self and self-worth around this kind of this trope of being productive. So for aging parents and young professionals like yourself, this is a ratio that's becoming alarming because we move from childhood where we think our parents are gods. And then we, of course, in adolescence, we discover they have feet to play, but we don't think about the mortality aspect because we never talk about it in Western culture. It's not something that's part of everyday life. If you look at other cultures, 
African cultures and particularly part, part of my culture, which is Indian, death is part of life and that's much more accepted. Whereas in Western culture, it's not, because as I said, everything in Western culture goes to the GDP, it goes to, you know, being improved and success and, you know, being number one, the American dream, that all that fallacy, that fallacy that we live with. So when we are faced with aging parents, this is kind of a shock. So what we should be doing, and this is something we can do even now, is learning to modulate and moderate and change and go through these uh, changing physical aspects with our parents so that it's not difficult to talk to them about it. So that if they are falling, for example, is to ask them, just ask, you know, because they're going to be afraid themselves because they've also been brought up in this culture of you must be productive, you must be a contributing member of society. And contribution in society in Western culture has to do with profit. And if it doesn't have to do with profit, then it's not validated. And we're going to move into talking about mentorship as being part of that. But talking to your parents just about stuff in a non-judgmental way, because your parents will be anxious anyway. They will be noticing these, uh, I'm a little slower. My hips are aching. My knees are aching. My elbows are aching. I can't lift what I used to do. I don't have range of motion like I used to do. It's not that they don't know. They are anxious because they are anxious about you, the child. And they are very much aware that they're becoming less able. So, for example, family weekend, barbecue, dad is going to want to carry stuff out. Dad is going to want to do all the stuff that he used to do so that he can be the dad, right? And your mom That's is very gonna, true. And mom is good. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I was going to say, yeah, I, I see that with my parents. Uh, and I know they listen to this podcast. So, that is true. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're listening. They 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 will they will acknowledge that. But even with my friends' parents, yeah, I mean they're they're taking on odd jobs. I know one of my friends' dad, you know, delivers food just to feel like he's part of the society still. Exactly. And, and I think it's that desire for uh, purpose, which which is interesting because the uh, I think the demand for society to be productive, right? You don't want exactly. to sit there and just do nothing. Exactly. Um, and, the, and the main issue is that being productive is not entirely associated with fiscal productivity. And so it becomes much more important for people to m- remain productive, but not just, oh, well, I'd better volunteer at the supermarket or not volunteer, you should be paid for that, but volunteer maybe at the library or volunteer here or volunteer there. And volunteer work is great, but there should be a sense of purpose associated with that. And that is crucial, absolutely central, so that parents, aging parents should know that they have a wealth of experience and wisdom that is absolutely essential for younger people. And it's not, you know, that they shouldn't, they shouldn't be made to feel that they are less productive or less essential just because they are aging. They actually have more to offer. And this can actually be seen fiscally compensated in consulting work for some people. So if the if you are a professional, you can do, you know, part part-time consultation, you can do emeritus work as a as an older professor. But what I'd like to get to is the issues of 
understanding that the body does fail and being able to talk about that without feeling ashamed or embarrassed or guilty. And very often older parents will feel guilty that they can't do what they used to do. But this should be a discussion that starts to happen. And if, if you haven't started that discussion, do it now. Do it soon. Don't wait until it's, oh, well, we've got to get mom or dad into care. Because at that point, there's no discussion and it becomes somebody taking a decision away from them. So it should be a joint conversation. And, you know, you can ease into this conversation, too, by talking about your own aching knees or, or your own aching back or things that you realize, that, you know, because as a young professional, you know, we're talking about Gen X um, being in their 30s, right, or maybe heading into their 40s, maybe even a little older. So there will be things that you, too are not able to do. You're not the basketball player you were in your 20s or the, you know, the, the swimmer or whatever it is, you know, that you were great at. So beginning to share your own fallibilities, your own physical fallibilities will help to open that discussion. That's for sure. I, I know I can't do certain things that I could do 10 years ago. I mean, I could still do them, but the recovery is is longer and I'm not as fast as I used to be. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's starting to happen, you know, with with us as well, but to, obviously not to the extent of, of our parents. So you know, I think understanding our role is what I struggle with, and probably my mm -hmm. peers struggle with is what do we do, right? We don't want to necessarily become the parent, and then now they're the child. I don't think anybody wants that, right? We have kids of our own, but I think understanding our role because we don't want to overstep, right? But I think we all want to help them too. And maybe there's a fine line there. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think you're that's right, what Michael, I struggle with. And, and I, I understand the anxiety, <clears throat> but opening these discussions and un helping your parents understand this is we're in this together. This is not about me taking control, making you sign powers of attorney forms or anything like that. It's about how do we face this together? so that we can have the best relationship we can have as we move forward into this next period of life. It's not about you have to do this and you have to be taken care of because that's taking away agency. And it has to be understood that both the child, you as the child and your parent both have agency and you're sorting it out together. What makes most sense? Okay, dad, I can see that's a little heavy for you. Could I help with that? Could we do this together rather than take, let me do this or let me take over that. And that effectively reduces efficacy in the parent and the parent will feel that they're being pushed aside. But if you're beginning to have these discussions, then you can have, you are moving into a relationship that's much more mature so that you are still the child and they are still the parent, but now you are an adult child and they are an older parent. And understanding how that works takes negotiation for, for all parties. Everybody has to be on board with it. And sometimes it can take a little time, but starting that discussion now, just with you know, what we can do and what we can't do and what might be modulated and moderated so that we can assist each other. It's so important that we do this together. I think the word that comes to my mind, uh, it would be denial, mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, as a child, you know, within the past five years, there are certain things that I could do with my parents that 
I mean, I could still do today, but nowhere near the extent. So the drop-off, it's somewhat precipitous in terms of what you can and can't do. And that that drop-off happens at different ages for everybody, mm-hmm. right? And I don't want to treat my parents any differently. I don't want to coddle them or anything to make them feel like they're they're uh, they're needy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my struggle is, is, you know, just reining back in the activity because you want to do certain things with your parents and you can't. Or let, not to the same extent. And then as the parent, I can only imagine they feel inferior perhaps or or like depressed or, you know, they're, maybe they're in denial. So they try well, let's to, take, do let's take to an, offset that. Yeah, let's take an example here. Um, in my um, ex-spouse's family, very huge camping, huge camping culture. And so it was camping in all weathers, you know, snow camping, spring camping, whatever it was, they camped. Now, of course, that's not possible for him. He's a lot older. So we're kind of beginning to, not we, because I'm, I'm not with him anymore, but his kids are now beginning to say, well, let's do, a, let's do a, an Airbnb now. We can still go and hike. We don't have to do the 15-mile hikes that we used to, but there are still amazing places in Escalante, in Arches, that we can go to that are maybe three miles or two miles or we can just go look at a view, but we can do this together. And you'll understand as you move into this period of life, yes, some things are not as possible as they used to be, you know, particularly if it's something like camping or backpacking, which is just not feasible anymore. But there are still incredible places in America you can go to. And the ultimate thing is we are doing this together. That's the crucial thing. You know, when you eventually, whatever it is you were doing in the 15-mile backpacking trip or, you know, whatever, a hike or whatever it was, the point was, yes, it was it was, it was, was something that you were doing and, you, you know, you were going along the trail, but it was that view at the end. It was sitting down with a cup of coffee in the morning. It was looking at that view over the mountains or the lake or the river. It was doing it together. It was sharing it together. Those are the memories that we take with us. And those are the memories that can still be created. But the crucial word is together. So how do we, you know, start this conversation? It's, I mean, there's really no segue into it that I can think of at least. So is this something that it would just be a situational where something happens and then that that may trigger the discussion? Or do you like, I'm a planner, obviously. I would, you know, hey, mom, dad, I want to have dinner with you you and then I have a discussion with them. That's how I would do it because that's how I think, <laughs> but that's probably not the right way to do this. So, so maybe you could give us some insight as to maybe how to start this discussion. Um, yeah. You really don't want to sit your parents down at a dinner and start interrogating them. <laughs> that's not going to no, go see, well. I told you that, that's the wrong way. That's, right. that's yeah. This is why you're so on the show comes, here today. <laughs> it comes about gradually, right? You start opening this, the discussion as soon as you can with little things like joint projects, for example, there might be a house project that requires ceiling work. You know, it could be electrical wiring. It could be changing light bulbs. It could be um, something where the parent might be up on a ladder, which would be a precipitous place for them to be, right? And Mm -hmm. it's not that you can't do this. It's just let me be here. So you could be holding the ladder, just let me just be here, dad, while, while you do this and just let that happen. And, and at some point, as you're doing these chores together, there's going to be, there's, there's got to be a sense, there's got to be a sense of trust, right? 
It can't be just about all oh, these things you can't do and I'm going to take over. It's just allowing parents to come to those decisions themselves. Or maybe this is something Mikey can do for me. Maybe I can bring him in because he's here and he's helping me. He's not just coming in at the last minute to be like, you know, the fireman coming in to rescue me. He's coming in because he wants to be there. That's the issue. Somebody who wants to be with me is someone I can trust. So it's by being with your parents and sharing those discussions and understanding lovingly that you're going into this period of life with them, rather than having a point-by-point -point discussion of, well, you can't do this and you can't do that, and I ought to do this and I ought to help you with the, you know, with the gardening because you clearly can't do it. That devolves into, you know, master and servant almost, you know, whereas you want to be parent and child and you want to keep developing this relationship. So it's about being there and it's about being so there. So how do you, you know, let's fast forward years from now and let's say that it's come to the point where you recognize that, I mean, Gen X were so busy. We can't be there all the time, right? We have our own lives mm -hmm. to run. And I think parents will recognize that as well. So how do you have the discussion with them about, okay, maybe it's time that you get some help, right? Maybe it's assisted living, maybe it's nursing home, maybe it's having someone come in. But how do you have that discussion? Because really, I think people want to be independent. And now you're giving up some of the independency. So how do you, how do you have that discussion with them? Yeah, that discussion comes, you know, you can't just dive into that. That's got to be a series of discussions as how's it going? You know, how, how are things going around the house? And even if you can't be there, as you say, you know, you've got your own family, you're taking care of them, and maybe your parents are a little bit distant, so you can't get to them, but having regular talks with them, like really regular talks, so not just once a month, maybe a couple of times a week. And increasing that contact so that your parent knows that you're there in their life and not as your parent knows that you're there as an adult, not just as the needy child for the loan or the, you know, can I borrow the car or all the rest of it. So it really is establishing, weaving that fabric, that supportive fabric, so that when it comes to the point of we need to, maybe we need to talk about getting some help, they don't feel, feel that they're being talked to or talked down to, but this is, this is their child, their adult child, their mature child, who really is concerned and wants them to have the best possible care. You can't just introduce that discussion without previous discussions. You can't just come into the, and now we need to move into a nursing home. That's just not, not the time to do it, especially over the phone. It's about nurturing that relationship in an adult way and sharing your own fragility about aging. And that will introduce the possibility of talking to their fragility about aging. You know, I won't come back to the word denial. I, I know from uh, friends and family and uh, clients that have seen uh, parents, you know, uh, deteriorate, we'll say, they, the parents are still in denial that I don't need to go into home. I don't want help. I don't want this. So how, do, how does that play in their heads? Why? It's such a, I can't imagine what they're going through, but how do we, how do we help them deal with that? Okay. So if you have a conversation with your parent and you tell them, you know, you really need to be in a nursing home, you really need help. Yes. They're going to respond with, no, I don't. I'm, 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 you know, I'm still in charge of this because it feels like you're being attacked. Mm. And we talked about, you know, talked 
about trying to help and trying to address issues. But if you tell someone you need to be doing this, it's, it feels like a direct attack. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's going to be resistance. But if you, again, I can't emphasize this enough. If you're, if you are establishing that adult relationship daily, or even if you can't do it daily, then a couple of times a week and saying, you know, just, it's, it's cool. Let me know what's going on. Let's talk about this. And then throwing the question back to them, what do you think would be helpful for you? Now so they're in charge. almost make it their yes. idea. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, it's their life. They are in charge. Right, they're in charge and of their see, concern. We see things from, from one angle, which is, mm-hmm. you know, what we observe, um, but they, they, they can feel it that we can't, right? They yeah. didn't know if they're and it's, and it's, a, and it's a huge loss. It's a huge loss for a parent and they're anxious about it too. And they don't want you to worry. Parents don't want their kids to worry about them. So they will say everything is okay. They will say they don't need help because they don't want to be the burden. You know, that's a terror yeah. for everyone. Don't want to be a burden. But if, yeah. you, if you can make it about giving them agency, what would be best for you? How can we yeah. do this? If this is hard, um, and, and you know, it's it's a struggle to make meals and, and to you know to clean the house. I mean, that's a lot of stuff to do for an older person. What what do you think would be helpful? And those are uh, activities of daily living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's six of those. Um, and you know, to go into a home, you have to uh, you know qualify for for help. You have to not be able to do two of six of them. And uh, I don't put myself on the spot, but I think they are uh, eating, going to the bathroom, showering, getting around. Yeah, I don't post on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I always forget a couple there. But yeah, w- that's one way to kind of gauge their their need. Mm-hmm. And, and that's bringing your parent into the conversation rather than saying what ought to happen. And and understand that you as Gen X, you have anxiety levels about your parents. Your parents will know that. And to sure. mitigate that, they will try to take your anxiety away by saying, I don't need help. If you don't approach with anxiety, if you approach with, I love you and I want the best for you, what can what would you think would be best for you? You mitigate that. You take away the sting of anxiety from them. And then we start to talk. There's going to be anxiety around it anyway, but trying to reduce it as much as possible and to help them understand that, we again, we're in this together. What can we do together? What would you decide? What would be good for you? So uh, how can we help our parents, uh, you know, gain purpose, uh, a sense of getting up in the morning? I mean, interestingly enough, one of the questions I ask when my clients retire is, all right, what are you going to do with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a, you want to continue to have a purpose. And I see some clients who say, oh, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll, be, I'll, I'll have plenty of things to do. Then two years down the road, they're they're like, I shouldn't have retired. I don't know. This didn't work out. I'm bored. I don't know what to do. So maybe I need to change my question to my clients who are retiring, but how can we help them give purpose? And because they have a lot of, lot to give, but mm-hmm. how do we, how do we access that? Right. Knowledge. And um, there are, and I'm sure, you know, everybody knows there are lots of volunteer opportunities for people and, you know, people kind of roll their eyes. Oh my gosh, you know, do I have to sign up for handing out meals or whatever it is? And if you do that, that's absolutely great. It's not for everyone. Um, If you have access to local elementary schools or middle schools or even high schools, they are always on the lookout for volunteers to do basic reading and math. 
And those are after school care programs. And you can sign up, you get a background check and, you know, just you can canvas yourself and say, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who has a lot of um, knowledge as an ex English teacher or as a nurse or as, you know, whatever it is you used to do you will get a lot of response and being around intergenerational work is the most vivifying and exalting and exciting work you can do as an older person, because you have a wealth of experience and knowledge that is, is so valuable and essential for younger people. There is also, and something that I do in my program is connecting older professionals with young people just going into the into them into the workplace, so young career professionals, and my mentorship program is called the Stealth Auntie Network, and it matches older professionals with younger people going in. And there's a two month period where you learn how to do that. You are introduced to your mentee, and you continue that relationship. And there are people who come back for another mentee. They enjoy it so much. But the idea of purpose, this is where it comes from. It's not just you doing what might be termed menial work or repetitive work. And please let me stress, there is nothing wrong with menial or repetitive work. But for somebody who is trained as a professional all their life and they are, have been at the peak of their game, they might want to do something else. And you have that experience and knowledge that you can actually impart to a young professional. And this gives so many, I've seen this over and over again with older professionals realizing that they've got something to get up to in the morning, that their, their mentee is waiting for them. Their mentee needs support. And it could be as, as small a thing as how do I socialize? You know, the younger generations coming in now have no clue about IRL in real life, uh, work life, work place situations because, you know, we've been attached to devices for so long and we've had COVID for a couple of years. So post-pandemic, your experience as an older professional is crucial, is invaluable in helping a younger person absolutely socialize and acclimatize and calibrate to a new situation where they will learn how to interact with colleagues and to learn how to interact on a professional basis. You have that knowledge. You also have the knowledge as older women about gender bias in the workplace. For women of color, you know what it's like to be gaslit. You know what it's like to be marginalized. So all of that information is something that isn't taught at trade school, at high school, at college. And you have that information that this young person will need. So, yes, mentorship, huge and absolutely really necessary. I think those are very good points. I don't think, I mean, I'm in my early 40s, but, you know, people get out of college, uh, they don't know how to communicate. It's it's kind of astounding how poor the communication is and, you know, having a, someone older kind of show them the ropes. Uh, yeah, I can see the benefit there. Right. Um, and that, and as the older, older uh, the, the, the young professional, you know that there are professional uh, development opportunities, not just um, uh, promotional opportunities, but development opportunities. If you have a young person in a job and they've just started and they are so excited to actually be there, they don't see the larger picture. Now, you as a, a professional, you say, okay, we have a career to think about here. They're thinking, I just want to hold on to this job. So you can actually provide that perspective and say, okay, so now you've been here for six months or now you've been here for a year. What do you think? Is this giving you what you need? And if a young person is intimidated, 
they are going to be, it, they're going to be less effective at their job. And that's to do with either gender bias, ableism, um, you know, racial issues, whatever it is. It, there's scientific proof uh, from UCLA 2015 to show that when you are impacted in those ways where you don't feel socially adequate, you, your whole work, work ethic and your productivity level and your ability will drop. I can only imagine how that would feel. Uh, I'm fortunate that I don't feel that way, but yeah, there's that's that'd be tough. Right. Um, so I wanted to address one more issue, not issue, one more topic that we had talked about previously that I thought was very interesting. And that was, uh, you know, helping our parents or grandparents, uh, helping their, uh, make, making sure that their stories don't get lost. And, uh, I wish I could have some of my grandparents' stories to listen to just to have as a legacy or, you know, family history, or, you know, you're trying to piece together your family tree or whatever and stories and you just, they're, they're lost. Right. Right. And so talk to us real quick here about how we can actually help our elders uh, leave a written legacy. Exactly. And this is such a crucial point because this history is crucial for the next generations coming up to feel grounded, to feel rooted, to feel themselves, to feel their self-worth in having their elders, having their ancestors pass on this information. Storytelling and being situated in story. And, you know, you give this is another way for young people to for, you, for people of your age to connect with their parents to start building that bond, to start building that trust, is tell me about. Give them an opportunity to talk about their stories and their history. And that's an, um, an amazing way to really bond with your parents because you're showing interest. So that conversation will lead into the medical conversation much more easily if you have that bond. Telling, going back to this point of storytelling, um, I offer uh, a couple of courses, and one of them is completely focused on helping older people uh, tell their stories, how to collate them, how to get them written down, how to tell them. And you don't have to be a writer. People get a little bit anxious about, well, I don't know how to write. I've never written a story. It's not about the actual mechanics of story. It's about the pro what does the process look like? Which information do you put first? You know, because we can ramble forever in story, but you want a story arc, you know, so that it's simple to follow. And that's something that I teach and show people how to collect their stories. Uh, we can get them published. We can get you to an open mic where you get to tell your stories. You can have these as a legacy that you can pass down to your next generations, which is something that's valuable for you and helps you see as an older person how valuable your life is. When you put it down in black and white, you suddenly start to realize what you've accomplished. And there it is, you know, in written form, in verbal form. Some people in, in some people in my courses paint, they do uh, altered books, they do scrapbooking, uh, they do collage. And in this way, they have an actual physical, tangible, three-dimensional evidence collection story of their life, which is just an amazing gift to pass down to the next generation. Definitely something that I would be interested in. You know, we do a great job of taking pictures today, right? We, we document everything. But what happened 
50, 60, 70 years ago, we didn't have phones in our pocket to do that. And once those stories, uh, you know, pass, if we don't have them to, to share, then they're going to eventually, no one's going to remember them. So, And, and uh, I would I, I would say, Michael, I, I would just jump in here that I, I really yeah. love the idea that we do document, you know, we have phones and we do document. Yeah. That's one aspect, one aspect of storytelling. It's not all of it. It needs to be dimensionalized. Sure. So, yeah. Without, without a doubt. Uh, so, Sandra, um, how do people reach you to take advantage of these opportunities? Okay, so you can reach me at LinkedIn um, under Sandra Hunter. You can grab me there. You can also grab me at my website, www.wildwomenleadersofcolor.com. And uh, you can leave me a message there or at LinkedIn, and I'll be happy to get back to you. Well, I do appreciate you coming on here today and, and having this very important discussion. There's so much to to take in here, you know, and from my perspective, this I learned so much just, just talking about how we don't want to uh, tell our parents what to do. We kind of want to be there alongside them and help them through the process and encourage them to, uh, you know, take their their knowledge and their time and to pass that on to younger generations. There's a huge opportunity to gain purpose there. So yeah, I learned a lot myself. I hope everybody that listened today learned something as well. And I encourage all of you to check out her website and her LinkedIn profile. And uh, one thing I want to mention here real quick is that we didn't talk about the financial aspect of this discussion. That will be part two. We will dive into the financial aspects of how this can impact our, our finances for the parent and the child and opportunities to take care of that and start that conversation early as well. So this is part one. Look forward to part two. Sandra, thank you for coming on. Thanks so and much. And as always, you can uh, like and follow me at www.genxwealthpartners.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. And always subscribe to the GenX Money Advisor podcast. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Gen X Money Advisor podcast. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Gen X Wealth Partners. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC, Kestra IS, member FNRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC, Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Gen X Wealth Partners is not affiliated with Kestra IS or Kestra AS. Views within the podcast are solely of Gen X Wealth Partners and are not necessarily the views of Kestra AS or Kestra IS. Yes.